Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And I'm so happy to be back this week. After last week's episode, I put out a call to action, and y'all have stepped up in every way imaginable. I couldn't be more grateful, more humbled, and I've been brought to tears on several occasions just by the Oh man, by everything. Uh, it's been overwhelming. You know, it's a hard thing to do to ask for help, especially when, you know, nobody made me start a podcast. Nobody made me travel around and interview people and spend all my money trying to produce this show. But I had to realize that this show has become a lot bigger than just me. All the guests, all the listeners, everybody who's been involved on so many levels that I couldn't just fade off into the sunset without giving you a chance to let your voice be heard. And I'm here to tell you that your voice has been heard and bikes or death is not going any damn where. Thanks to you. Thanks to companies in the industry who have stepped up to support bikes or death. Um, we're not all the way to our goal, but the response has been so overwhelming. I know that we're going to make this happen. So before we get to today's episode, Let's give a huge, huge shout out to all of the newest patrons that have stepped up to be sustaining members of the Bikes or Death podcast. As you learned in last week's episode, I literally cannot do it without you. So let's give a huge shout out to these patrons that help keep the lights on and keep the Bikes or Death podcast showing up in your podcasting feed. This week's newest patrons are Paul Ress, Barry Spies, Ryan Williams, Robert Vanderblumen, Aaron Chamberlain, Brad Cook, Amos Mayberry, Jonathan Robert, Lewis Clark, Anthony Patterson, Thomas Lane, Alex Tribble, Brad Carmen, Brian Haw, ooh, next one's tough, uh, Kamal Hadamli, Casey Bredesen, Ryan Plyley, Matt Hopkins, Abby Shalik-Briska, Haley Reeves, Seth Newsom. Chris Walner, Christopher Moore, Carrie Box, Cody Richrath, Kyle Pedersen, Alyssa Naranjo, David Tuttle, Tim Kennedy, Bradley Benavides, Simon, Rick Glenn, Matt Hickey, Bobby Wintle, shout out Bobby, Kyle Aldridge, Bradley Craig, David Graham, Leo Ronan, Andrew Schneider, Fallon Fontenot, L.L. Ray, Brian Couchman, David Milam, Isaac Ramos, Gil Montag, Chris Ross, Matt Burris, Jessica All, Gil Morellis, and Jim Dunn. If you lost count, that is 50 new patrons that have signed up since last episode, and that is what I call showing up. Damn, I love y'all so much. Thank you. And we're not done. If you'd like to support these newest patrons and sign up to be a sustaining member of the Bikes for Death podcast to make sure that these episodes keep coming in a timely manner, you can find out how over at patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. There's a lot of additional benefits to becoming a Patreon other than just helping to produce this show. We also have a patron only podcast called the Bikes for Death After Party. We have patron perks and discounts to the Bikes or Death web store and all kinds of other goodies. I'd like to especially highlight a new patron perk from our friends over at Rock Guys. We're now going to be doing a monthly raffle drawing to win Rock Guys gear. 
This month's giveaway is going to be a Space Link, which is a cool little product that they have designed that keeps your handlebar bags and your top two bag all tidy up on your cockpit area. Without this little device, your bags tend to slide around and move around a lot. And this little space link keeps it all together nicely, tightly. I've been using mine for several years. I have it on every single bike I own and they're freaking awesome. In addition to a space link, Rockgeist is also gonna be giving away a camp bandana. So to sign up and be eligible for that, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. And as long as you sign up before the end of July, you will be entered to win that monthly drawing. Now, speaking of Rock Guys, they have also stepped up to support this show. You may not know that Rock Guys is a cottage gear company. It's based in Asheville, North Carolina, and they specialize in custom frame bags, accessory bags, and welded waterproof gear from their porcelain rocket acquisition that happened earlier this year. The biggest projects they're working on right now is releasing their 52 Hertz. It's a welded waterproof roll top frame bag and getting their bar jam harness machined locally in Asheville. They take pride in their small batch made in USA ethos and prioritize high-end fabrics with innovative designs. So to stay updated on their product releases, it's best to sign up for their newsletter at the bottom of their homepage. Just visit rockgeist.com to find the link. And they also give BOD patrons free shipping in the U.S. and will even credit back some of the shipping costs for international orders. So that's even more reason to sign up as a patron. This week's episode is also brought to you by Ruby Coffee. Ruby Coffee Roasters is a small coffee roasting company based in central Wisconsin in a small town called Nelsonville, Wisconsin, with a population of only 191. I love that. The company was founded by Jared and Deanna Linsmeyer and built out of the spare bedroom of Jared's childhood home where they built on Jared's 12 years of experience sourcing and roasting coffee. Ruby designs their coffee lineup around complex, dynamic coffees while making sure that their roasting profiles make these coffees easy to brew and enjoy. As a small roasting company, Ruby focuses on buying coffee from small farms so they can showcase truly unique coffee quality. And all of Ruby's coffee is roasted to order, so the coffee is always fresh at your doorstep. Ruby's menu rotates seasonally to reflect the growing and harvest seasons of the coffee farm and deliver freshly harvested and roasted coffee directly to your door. While you're over there, I'd encourage you to check out their single serve and instant coffees that may be particularly interesting to bikepackers and campers and outdoors people all over the world. Now, they've set up a special discount code just for Bikes or Death listeners. So head over to rubycoffeeroasters.com, check out all of their coffee offerings, and whenever you found the perfect coffee just for you, put it in your cart, use the code BIKESORDEATH, and get 15% off a one-time purchase or 20% off the first shipment of a subscription. I'd like to especially thank all the patrons that signed up whether you're new this week or you've been around for three years. I'd also like to thank Rockgeist and Ruby Coffee for really making this episode happen. Last week, I wasn't sure if we'd be here this week, but here we are, and it is all thanks to y'all. Now, 
Let us get to today's episode because it is one that I am super excited about. If you follow the Tour Divide this year, you may have noticed a somewhat unfamiliar name on track leaders this year going toe-to-toe with Jay Peterberry, who went on to win the Tour Divide, but it wasn't before getting a run from his money from Brendan Heinig. I'll be honest, Brendan is not a person that I was familiar with before this race. And if you know me, you know I love an underdog story. Uh, just reference Liam Glenn or Andrew Onerma or you know any other episodes that I've had where I really like to get to know the quote-unquote underdog. I always think that it's such a cool aspect of our sport that literally anyone can sign up. You don't have to be a professional sponsored racer. Anyone, anyone can sign up and do this. And so anytime I see a name that I don't recognize that's putting down a really great performance, my podcasting senses get super tingly and I was laser focused on this particular race. If you didn't follow along, I kid you not, for the last like 1500 miles of this race, Jay and Brendan yo-yoed back and forth and i don't think they were ever more than about 20 miles apart they were on a similar sleep schedule their pace was similar and as we'll learn in today's episode brendan just couldn't shake them and we go through his entire experience from you know what led him into bike packing his original run at the tour divide in 2015 and bring him all the way into his spectacular effort at this year's tour divide I truly enjoyed this conversation. It is always great getting to know people in the community, and Brendan is no exception. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Take it away, Miles. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. No trick questions. I mean, we, you know, we're just going to be talking about, uh, you know, bikes and bike racing mostly. So pretty easy stuff. You should be an expert at this point after spending the last couple of weeks out there riding your bike. You're basically a professional right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. You know, riding with Jay, it doesn't doesn't feel like I'm anywhere near that level. But, <laughs> but uh... well, I mean, you definitely held your own for sure. I mean... Regardless of who you were up against, I mean, it was an it was an impressive race, and it was so much fun to watch. And uh, I personally was rooting for you big time. And uh, I love an underdog story. Like we just had Liam Liam Glenn on. I don't know if you but are aware of him, but he won the Highland Trail five fifty on a single speed rigid against the full field. And then uh, you know, like Andrew Onerma, he. Um, he, he went head to head with Ted King on the Arkansas high country. And I just personally love a good underdog story. And I'm like, if you look at the starting line, you know, if you're going to put money on somebody to win, I think almost everybody would have put money on Jay. I mean, you know, it's a classic route. He's the veteran. Uh, you kind of think that, that he's going to probably take it down, but yeah, I hadn't heard of you before, man. So it's super cool to chat. 
<laughs> yeah yeah it's fun it's it's something cool about these types of races is like yeah there's the you know kind of handful of known names usually every year and uh but anyone can take it i mean you put in the work and well that's what makes bike pack racing and ultra endurance racing particularly interesting for me is that yeah i mean leanne glenn is a perfect example andrew honor ma is a good example i'm guessing you we're going to get to know you a little bit more but i mean not professional athletes you know but can line up against you know some of the top names and and you know honestly and the other it doesn't even matter if you win or not you know like winning or, or being at the front of the race is cool but the fact that anybody can show up like gary johnson the presidential candidate is out there right now you know if you want to go and do it it's open uh, open season. So anyway, man, a big fan. I, I, uh, I definitely like followed along. I was posting updates on social media constantly. I didn't tag either one of y'all cause I didn't want to like blow up your phones, like while you're out there or anything. But I mean, I was posting the dots and we were having conversations and I even like knew, have some listeners that like ran into you out on the field and were giving me like live reports and stuff. So, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, man. That's so funny. Yeah. So yeah. like when I say I'm excited, I'm super excited to talk to you, man. It's like so cool to like watch a dot, don't know you at all. And then, you know, get a chance a few days later to like talk about, okay, you know, what really happened, you know, and, and kind of get your side of the story. So, I mean, first off, you know, I guess to fill in the blanks for anybody who isn't uh, caught up to speed yet, you are fresh off of the Tour Divide Classic route this year. So going back to, what was it, the, uh, you know, 1999 route, something like that, 2,479 miles, you finished in 15 days, two hours and 15 minutes, and you took down second place at a nail biter. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to call it an ultra race a nail biter, but that was a nail biter of a race. So seriously, dude, congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was quite the experience. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to hear about it. I mean, first question is, I mean, I think you're, I mean, I think today's seven days since you've been off the tour divide. So, um, how are you feeling? Uh, getting there. Uh, the first couple of days were rough. My like stomach was just not happy. So it was tough to get down calories and I was feeling just so tired. I lost probably more weight than I think is healthy out there. I lost like 15 pounds or something, uh, in 15 days. So, so I don't know what happened. I, I felt like I was eating enough, but maybe my body stopped absorbing crappy gas station food after a while. Um, I always do wonder about how athletes are able to sustain their bodies on these maximum efforts because you're not getting high quality, you know, fuel. A lot of t most of times it's just junk food or gas station or whatever. And so it's always been a curiosity of mine that people can even sustain these efforts off of such terrible food. I know. Yeah. It's, it's something that I think I need to work on because certainly like if I ate a sandwich, like if I, like the few times that I actually sat down to have a burrito or a sandwich or whatever, um, I felt way better. And rather than eating like gas station muffins and pastries and trail mix and all that stuff, it's just like, as soon as I sat down for 30 minutes and ate something real, I just felt like so much better for the next few hours. Um, and maybe that's just calories, but I think there's something to real food that really helps. And I, 
I think some people like, I know Jay, like he tries to get real food as often as possible and bring it with him. And so I started to try to do that um, whenever possible, but it's not always practical when you're out there and all that's available is uh, a single convenience store or whatever. Yeah. How, what's your diet normally like? What do you, what do you typically eat? I'm, I guess I'm kind of curious, like how much of a shock it was to your system. Yeah. I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm riding, like if I'm doing a training ride, my calories are very similar to what I was eating out on the divide while riding. I'll eat muffins and like, I try to kind of simulate what it would be like in a bike packing race. But the difference is during training rides, I come home and I make myself a meal. So, and I try to eat mostly vegetarian and eat a lot of like salads and stuff like that. And you're, you're just not getting that quality of food uh, during something like this. Yeah. Sounds like a good, yeah, definitely a good learning experience and one that you can only obtain by doing it. You know, I mean, it's hard. You can't simulate, I guess you could, but most of us don't have the time and it's hard to motivate yourself just to go on a <laughs> two week training ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most people do not have the time to do it. Uh, yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's not the healthiest thing in the world to simulate. No, I think, I think that's probably the more important factor is like, if you're going to put your body through that much kind of bad stuff, I mean, strain, you know, situations it hasn't been in, you're testing your digestive system and everything else. It's like, probably don't want to do that all the time. You know, I mean, um, I'm no doctor or anything, but from what I understand, like the, like doing those, a lot can be ultimately maybe detrimental long-term, but yeah, probably who cares about that? Let's, let's live in the moment. What what about physically? Like, how are you, your body feeling any aches and pains? How's your ass feel? (laughs) Uh, Nothing like really specific. Like I didn't have any crashes. I'm I'm not like really sore. I'm just like tired. Like I've been sleeping a lot and I, Maybe I've been uh, lying around a little too much. I feel super stiff and haven't been on the bike yet. Yeah, I just uh, just been like kind of slowly every day getting a little bit more energy and meeting up with friends. But yeah, nothing like not like sore. I'm just I just feel fatigued and um, hands and feet are a little tingly. Uh, just like general like numbness, uh, but nothing super bad. Nothing. No like no knee pain. No like no, like particularly sore muscles, no Achilles issues, nothing like that. Um, so that's impressive. I mean, that in itself is a success. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. really, I mean, it really is. You don't hear that often after the, after that kind of a race. And I mean, you're at the pointy end, so you're, you're definitely pushing it. One thing I wanted to ask you was about your, um, your saddle sores. I, re- I, I saw one of the questions was online that you really didn't have any issues with saddle sores and uh, that I, I think, you know, you took two chamois and you said you're really good about hygiene, but I thought that, I mean, can you tell exactly what your, your system was there? And probably some people might benefit from that. I'll first like say, like I did start to develop some saddle sores, like around the halfway point. Um, but I was able to keep them un- under control where they like didn't get super bad. And I just like kind of increased the frequency in which I was like, just keeping things clean down there. Um, so, so my system was, um, two chamois. Uh, one was the the same exact chamois. Um, but I, one was a bib and one was just a short, um, and they fit like 
slightly differently, which I think is helpful. So if you can find like two different chamois or just two things that fit slightly differently, I find that helpful just to like have the pressure points be in slightly different positions. Um, and then, yeah, I would just like swap them out daily. I would wash, uh, whatever one I was just taking off, I would wash in like a bathroom sink or whatever with whatever hand soap was there, um, just by hand. And then, um, just kind of like wipe down my sit bones, um, at the same time. And before going to bed in the bivy, I would, I had wet wipes and just clean up down there. And, uh, I used a single antibiotic, like cream or whatever, like uh, bacitracin, I think is how you say it. And I just like apply that before hopping in the bivy just as like a, an extra, extra precaution. And that was pretty much it. Um, and that worked pretty well. I mean, my butt is not like, like the skin down there is a little flaky and, and like tender, but, but nothing catastrophic. Yeah. I (laughs) I hear, you know, you hear about saddle sores on top of saddle sores and that kind of thing. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, a week of bleeding and it's, you know, it's just like, "Ah, I I, I can't wrap my head up. So where did you learn that method? Is it just something you've kind of figured out that works for you over a period of time? And by the way, I love your idea of two slightly different chamois. That's like, I, I never heard that, but that makes so much sense. Just put that pressure, that fit in just a little bit different place. Smart. Yeah, I just figured it out over time. I did like a, I did a tour last year. Uh, um, I was really anxious to see family. And, and after like COVID was kind of in like a low point, like the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I rode my bike from the cutthroat uh, from Colorado to New York. And it was all, it was all road miles, but it, it kind of gave me a chance to test some of that. Um, so I did the same thing, uh, two different chamois cleaning regularly and I didn't get any problems. And now granted that was like easier because it was shorter days and on pavement, like no constant vibration, but it was a good test. Uh, so I kind of figured, I kind of like knew what my plan was before that, but that kind of solidified it. And yeah, it worked, it worked for this. It worked for Tour Divide. I mean, I mean like saddle sores are essentially just like a skin infection, right? It's like, so if you can keep things clean, you're, you're still going to get sore just from like the vibration and all that stuff. But, but if you can keep your butt clean, um, you'll have a much better chance of preventing sores from developing. My method is to do nothing. And, uh, (laughs) And slowly build up. Now I just have like leather down there, but um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't tested it on the tour divide yet. And I don't think, I, I don't know. I think probably being hygienic uh, over that long, cause you know, you're not taking showers, you're not cleaning, you know, all the things that I'm typically doing. Um, it's just kind of gross. And so, yeah, I think hygiene's probably, probably better. Well, I want to, I want to back up a little bit. I want to know what your name is. Uh, I know it's Brendan, but, um, on social media was one thing on track leaders. It was another. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, on social media, I, I just use Brendan James. James is my middle name. Uh, but, but, uh, my last name is Heinig. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, just for future reference as a podcaster, I didn't appreciate that you were, you were harder to track down. I put <laughs> out a, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, but I did, I was, I mean, early on, I was trying to figure out who you were. I wanted to like know about you. And uh, so I put out a message on my Instagram, like, does anybody know this guy? 
And of course, somebody did. And so they shot it to me and I was, and it turns out I already followed you um, on social, on Instagram, actually. But you're one of these guys that posts like once a year. And so it's like, it's just like Liam. It's like when I was uh, interviewing Liam, I was trying to research the show and, you know, he never posts uh, anything, you know? Um, And so anyway, kind of giving you shit, but (laughs) I was kind of, Actually, to be honest, I think it's more fun to like not know and be like, oh, man, this is going to be really exciting. Uh, it's a little bit more exciting, you know, because I can go on and read everything on the Internet. You're just kind of going to tie kind of tell me in a different way, maybe. But mm. uh, I always always like to get to know people. Um, yeah, you just don't know a lot about. So. All right. We know what your name is. What do you do for work? I'm always curious what people do for a living that allows them to take two weeks off tour across the country, go visit family, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm an engineer by training, uh, mechanical. I have my degree in mechanical engineering. And um, what allowed me to do this is I I actually just left my company about two months ago. We went through, uh, it was a really small company. So uh, there were three of us last year when we we went through an acquisition. And... um, and that went through, and then I, I stayed on for a year and decided uh, recently that you know I was I knew I was doing this and I was ready to just do something new professionally. Uh, so I, I left, and um, yeah, now I just I'm going to go figure it out. But uh, but yeah, I'm an engineer. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's interesting. Does it seem to you like there's a disproportionate amount of engineers that do really well at ultra endurance cycling? Uh, yeah, I meet a lot. Um, and I think this isn't always the case, but I think, uh, things like just like experience working on your bike. I mean, you don't have to be an engineer to, to wrench on a bike. Um, but, but it just having like the ability to problem solve is really helpful. And, and I think there's just engineers tend to nerd out on bikes a lot, (laughs) you know, like they just, they get into it. So yeah, I would guess it, I mean, it's a puzzle right? It's a big, big puzzle. It's figuring out how to get your gear right, your body right, your nutrition right, your sleeping right, all the mechanicals, you know? So yeah, I think like as an, I'm, I'm the first of this thing from an engineer. I can barely, I don't even know if I can spell engineer, uh, but, but um, I could definitely, I mean, it's a puzzle, you know, I can see, I've known a lot of engineers and you're, you can always tell when you're talking to an engineer, by the way, not all the time, obviously, but a lot of times, they just look at the world through engineering eyes and everything's a puzzle and they want to figure it out and they want to dissect it and, and all that kind of stuff. Does that, does that ring true for you? Yeah. I mean, it definitely does even beyond like just the purely like mechanical electrical stuff, just like that idea that like you're, you're putting together a puzzle and the route planning and like the research and all that stuff. You got to be, this is not an engineering trait, but, but just like, you have to be kind of organized in order to be successful. Um, it's a trait that goes hand in hand with being an engineer. I, th- I think that's true. I think that's true, but it's not, it's not exclusive. to engineers. Right. Oh, for sure. Definitely not yeah. exclusive, but yeah, I have noticed. Uh, it's just, it's funny time and time again, I feel like I'm talking to more and more engineers or hearing uh, <laughs> it just seems to be a common profession and, and really it, it makes sense, you know? What do you, I guess on that note, uh, what, do you have any ideas what you're going to do next for, for work or you just, you're just going to take a break and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a minute. I got my uh, camper van and I'm going to just travel around a bit 
I have a couple friends doing some races that I'm just going to go out and, and like kind of support them, you know, uh, obviously not self-supported type races, but, you know, like one's doing an ultra marathon and I'm going to go uh, help him out. Another one's doing a stage race. So I'm just going to be like kind of sag wagon for him. So I'm going to help some friends out with what they're doing because they've helped me in the past. And, yeah. uh, and then I'm going to go see some family and then figure it out from there. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Kind of seeing what opportunities come my way. Love it. Uh, it's a luxury that not many people probably have in their life, but um, man, I can imagine it being extremely valuable. How old are you? I am 36. Yeah. You look younger. Maybe it's that 15 uh, pounds that you lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw, I actually did see you know, on Instagram. I was looking at some of your pictures and like when we hopped on, I'm like, Oh yeah, that guy, you know, definitely lost some weight. I mean, when you see it in the face, you know, that, they lost some weight. Yeah. 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 And this is that, this is a week after a week of eating ice cream. Well, let's, let's get into your personal history, uh, kind of leading up to, uh, and not your whole it, let's stick with cycling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, but your, your personal history and cycling, uh, leading up to this, uh, race, I kind of thought that, you know, again, looking at your Instagram, uh, I know that you did this in 2015. Can you give us a snapshot of what your your uh, cycling history was like leading up to 2015? Because it sounded like it was a pretty quick transition. Yeah, yeah, um, it was. <laughs> I I had done like I had like done a single like kind of credit card tour with with my best friend through Europe. Um, we like brought our road bikes and like like our like revelate seat bags with like one change of clothes. And we just kind of stayed in hotels and did that. So that was like my one, like kind of longer tour, but yeah, I mean, like I hadn't really in 2015, I don't think I had even done a bike race and I had slept. I was trying to figure it out, but I, I think, I think I probably slept in my bivy like three or four times before the 2015 tour divide. And I was living in Boston at the time and I saw ride the divide. And at some point, you know, before that, and just thought it was like the the most cool thing. Like I, um, you know, I I camped a lot as a kid, like I was in boy Scouts, which I understand you were too. Yeah. Eagle scout. Same. (laughs) I was, uh, if I'm going to one up you, I was the second youngest in the state of Texas. When I got it, I was 14 years old. Whoa. That's amazing. I'll, well, I was motivated by my parents told me I couldn't get my driver's license until I, so I was like, I'm not screwing around them. But yeah. um, I did do a bicycle rodeo uh, for my um, for my Eagle Scout project. We did it in a Walmart parking lot, and I or, I did the whole thing. I got on the radio and promoted it. I got the fire department, the local uh, bike shop, to do like maintenance, you know, bike safety. We had an obstacle course. It, it was cool, you know, and I did that at 14 and it was like, now looking back, I'm like, it was just a, a foreshadowing, you know, it was like, I figured it out at 14 and then I wasted a bunch of time, you know, uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry, to, I, I, I just wanted to uh, hit on that real quick because you're an Eagle Scout too, but yeah, definitely relate. Cycling was definitely not on my radar at that age. Like I wasn't even into sports. Like I, like I played baseball. Cause I was, I don't know, like driven by like my mom's side of the family is super into baseball. And I just 
sucked at baseball. Like <laughs> I was terrible. And, uh, I really wasn't into sports. And then like, I kind of got into, um, just kind of fell into swimming in high school. And that's when I discovered that like hand-eye coordination wasn't my, my forte. Um, but the ability, like the physical ability was there. And so, so yeah, I did swimming in high school and then, um, I rode a little bit in college and that was about it. And then, but after college, um, this is like 2009, I got into triathlon and like Ironman triathlon. And so, so I was racing bikes, but, but like in triathlon. So it's not like bike specific. Yeah. And I did pretty well with that. So I was like, okay, like I have some like endurance ability here. And then I, and then I got into like once after watching ride the divide, I was like, okay, like I want to do more adventure. I want to like combine this like ability to um, push my body with like all this like camping and like outdoor experience that I had. And in 2015 came and like, completely no idea what I was getting into. Like I like flew to Banff and a buddy came with me. We were both on gravel bikes. I'd never ridden a mountain bike, you know, except for whatever, like Toys R Us thing I had. And like when I was growing up and, and I, like, I just completely failed. I, I made it, I made it to Silverthorne. Um, and at that point, like my bike had like had suffered multiple failures. Um, rear hub blew up, like lost my derailleur cable for like 200 miles, um, countless flats. I mean, I was running on 40 millimeter tires, trying to run like non tubeless tires, tubeless. And <laughs> that just didn't work. And my, and I, and my body just, I like, there wasn't, no training, you know, like I, I just, I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. So it was like the first time that I set a goal for myself and just completely failed. And it was just because I was so naive going into it. Yeah. And at that so point, your training, just watching the, you know, inspired to ride and then going and doing <laughs> some long rides and you're like, hey. Yeah, we were, my buddy and I would just like go ride, we'd like ride in the snow and I would commute to work. Like I lived in Boston or just outside of Boston and was commuting west to work. So I had like a 20 or 25 mile commute to work. And so I'd do that like three days a week, but like no intervals or anything like that. Like there was no structure to it. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago, but man, in the last six, seven years, the the sport of bike racing or bike ultra endurance racing or whatever is like really grown a lot, you know, the information that's out there, the websites, the podcasts and everything. And so it's actually a lot more easy now to get the information ahead of time than I imagine it even was back in 2015. I think that's true. Although I did so little research back then that I, can't really tell tell you definitively that, that that's true, but but I think that's true. Uh, it felt easier to put it together this time. I you know I didn't find out about you know my path to bikepacking was almost identical to yours. Grew up in you know Boy Scouts, the outdoors, was a cyclist. Watched Inspired to Ride in 2017, and you know it was like lights on. You know, um, so yeah, in 2015, I wasn't even aware of bikepacking and can't really speak to. Um, speak to it. So, so yeah, what was the ultimate uh, nail in your coffin for 2015? What was your ultimate demise? 
You know, so many things went wrong. It's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint. And I, and with that said, um, certainly there was more things went wrong than should have because I didn't do enough work in preparation for it, but things always go wrong. And so the demise came from not having the mindset of failure is not an option. And that was not the case this time. Failure was not an option. And that I, and I, I was going to figure out a way to finish. Even if, even if I had to take a couple days off for whatever reason, bike, body, I was going to finish because it was that important to me. And I, I think that's what you have to do. I think for something this long, I mean, something's going to happen. You're going to have bad days at least. And so I think you just got to, you know, I, I was having a conversation with some guys in the shuttle from the whitefish bike retreat up to the start. And I was the only one, there were like six of us, I think um, in the van and six or seven of us. And I was the only one that had attempted it before. And, and I said to him, I was like, you know, I want to race. That's important to me. Like I wasn't doing this as a tour. Like I really wanted to push myself and the race environment allowed it, it gives you a little extra motivation to push yourself farther than you otherwise would. But I said, if racing is no longer an option, or if I'm not doing as well as I, I want to be doing, finishing is the number one priority. And, and that was the mindset this time. That's great to know. I, actually, it's a perfect segue into where I wanted to lead. I, I'm, I want to skip ahead um, because, like I said, I've been really eager to get your side of this year's Tour Divide for a while now. So let's jump ahead to this year's because I even like, you know, for people listening, I even bumped up our interview by 30 minutes because I was like getting ready for it. And I'm like, I can't wait any longer. I want to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start there. You know, what was your, well, I guess you kind of told, but I mean, what was, I guess you kind of talked a little bit about your strategy going into it, but I mean, I can't imagine that you pictured yourself being at the front of the race for that long. And so I guess, you know, the, the question here is like, you know, what was your anticipation or what was your goals going into it? And then how did it change as the race evolved and, or did it, did it change? Did you just stick to your plan and that was it, you know? <laughs> okay. So, so going into it, I, I knew I was pretty strong. Like I had won a couple races, short races, shorter races. And, and I knew I was like living in Boulder, like it gives you a pretty good gauge of like where you are fitness wise. Cause there's a lot of like really talented people here, um, professional cyclists, whatever. Sure. No, by no means am I professional cyclist level, but I, but I knew that I was pretty strong. So like I had a pretty good expectation of like being near the front, but I, but I had no idea. Like I never thought that I would be at the front <laughs> for as long, like for the first half, like it was crazy. And, and I wasn't trying to be, in fact, I didn't even want to be like, I, like I, I just went into it with like the plan of like how much I was going to like try to sleep a night. And then the rest of the hours of the day were devoted to cycling. And, and so hours on the bike and just trying to like keep my effort relatively low and just keep the pedals turning. Um, and that's what I did. And for the most part, the whole time, I just, kept doing what I planned to do. And that ended up putting me at the front for the first half. 
which is like a huge, like, so I, I worked with, um, Kurt Ref Snyder mm-hmm. as my coach, uh, for the past year and a half or so. Oh. And yeah, it, I, he put me in a really good position, uh, physically, um, to be able to do that. We're going to talk more about, I do want to talk more about coaching later, by the way, we'll come back to it. Okay, cool. Um, and then like Jay caught up to me, he put in some big days and I think found out later that like he was cutting sleep to kind of keep me within relatively close range. And then he ended up catching up to me just outside of Rollins before the Colorado border. And, um, and once that happened, it was like, okay, like him and I are to ride together. We ride into Bush Mountain Lodge together. And like, I knew he was close the whole time. Like I was checking the tracker. Yeah. And I kind of thought he would just be gone. And we were both, I think just doing our own. I mean, maybe, maybe Jay was like being more strategic than I, I give him credit for, but like, I think we were just kind of doing our own thing. And then it just ended up being that like, we were on kind of different sleep schedules and like maybe riding different paces like slightly, but we would just, we just kept leapfrogging like right. without really intending to like keep taking the lead from each other. Like it was nuts. Um, I kept seeing them. I was, it was so funny. Cause like, like I, like I got kind of tired of thinking about Jay. <laughs> I was like, can you just go so I can do my own thing? <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that, man. I could see it being, yeah, I don't know. I guess I want to hear, hear more. Like, was it frustrating? Was it distracting? Was it comforting to know that he was there? I mean, what, what was that like to be so close to him all the time? It was just, uh, like I said, like, like I kind of went out there sort of planning, expecting to be doing my own thing, like true, like individual time trial within the grand depart. And it didn't end up being like that. Cause like I would see Jay like every other day, you know, he'd catch up to me in the morning or whatever. And he's like, good morning. And I'm like, oh, hey, Jay, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> what kind of, were y'all, were y'all talking much together? Were you riding much together? Was it friendly? Oh, yeah. So I'm friendly. sure it was, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we rode together, uh, from what I remember, like we rode together like kind of like two different days, almost like the whole day, like we did, we, he'd get ahead of me. I'd get ahead of him, whatever. Yeah. But like, but we rode together into Colorado and like almost all the way to steamboat for the most part that day we rode together and talked. And then again, we rode together from like just outside of grants all the way to Pie town. And we ended up having like, it was his birthday that day. So we had like, like birthday pie and ice cream together in pie town. And that was pretty cool. Did y'all um, plan that or did it just happen that way? Oh no, no, it just, it just happened. Yeah. I wonder, it, I think, did he get there first and then he waited for you in pie town? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean like he pulled up to the, he, he like, maybe he got there five minutes before me, but we were, we were together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's sometimes hard to tell with dot watcher because you know, it can lag and then speed up, you know? And so it's like, so I almost made a joke on Instagram. I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, are these guys drafting off each other? And I really, <laughs> I know y'all weren't, but I was like, I mean, it was just that close. The dots are just like on top of each other. It's just, just never seen that before ever. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Like there was like, I looked at the tracker one day. It was the, it was the day from, um, from like steamboat. I think we both slept on whatever pass that was just before like links pass. I think it is somewhere, you know, separate places, whatever, like, and then we ended like, 
we were like 15 minutes apart from each other that like entire day, but it looked like the dots were right on top of each other. So it looked like we were riding together, but like I didn't see him until like Breckenridge. Like it was kind of funny. Like I, I was like, I bet people thought we were riding together, but we like didn't see each other at all. Yeah. And I, and I know that. So that's why, you know, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, what you're seeing. I mean, you know, it's pretty accurate, but you know, goodness gracious, you know, it's, it's even amazing. We keep, we, we even have that, uh, technology to, to follow along. So that's what I was curious is like, how, how much were y'all actually, I mean, I know y'all were leapfrogging, so I know there was some interaction there, but, um, yeah, it was hard to tell if y'all are riding together a lot or if you just, you know, you were a few miles apart and you could kind of see each other and yeah. 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 Just, just a couple days we, we ended up riding together and, and chatting, getting to know each other. So that was pretty cool. So, you know, how you said you were like real familiar with where he was and where you are in relation to him. How much of that impacted your ability to be in your own race and how much did it impact, if at all, your strategy uh, of the race? It didn't impact my plan so much until the very end, until like Cuba um, and grants. Prior to that, I was just kind of still doing my own thing. Like, like it was to me, it was too early to try to make any moves. Um, I think Jay probably felt the same way. I think I don't want to speak for him and what his strategy was, but I, when I was riding, I suspected that he was like keeping me close um, either in front of, in front of him or behind him, like keeping me close on purpose um, just so he could keep an eye on me. And uh, I was not doing that. I, I was just like, I was just trying to like, sleep enough to recover and just keep moving as much as possible. I'm so glad you said that because that, that was a lot of the speculation that, you know, we were having the dot watchers as we're watching the race. And that's, you know, a lot of, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, I got a lot of messages that that went on something like this. Jay's the veteran. He's just keeping them close, taking it easy, whatever. And then when he's ready, he's going to take his, make his move. And what I said every time was like, maybe, but how well do you know Brendan? You know, I mean, I know I've never met you. I didn't know what, what you were capable of. And I, for all I knew, Jay was out there, you know, trying to get away from you and you were toying with him, you know, and so <laughs> I, I didn't know. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm curious to get your thought, but I mean, how much of, I, I know obviously yours wasn't strategy now, but I, I, do you have a question mark about how much he was, uh, just being strategic. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm actually going to go see him next week. I'm, I got to go get my van in Montana, and I'm I'm going to stop in at his house in Idaho on the way down back to Colorado, and I'm definitely going to ask him because <laughs> I like I don't think I don't think he would have told me during the race, uh, but but maybe he will now. So it'll be curious to hear like how much what's going on there. That that was the probably the biggest curiosity I had was just is one of these guys game in the other one and, or are they both just in sync and, and this is, you know, they're just on the same kind of rhythm. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll have to uh, talk to Jay and, and get, get his side, but I knew, I knew there's no way, especially like sitting in pie town that either one of y'all were, I think talking strategy, especially not if you're, if you're thinking about making a move or anything like that. No, no, we weren't. We were just, we were just, you know, enjoying each other's company at that point and, and enjoying his birthday. And it was just so cool. Um, yeah. 
I, at that point in Pie Town, I had tried to make my move the night before. <laughs> it did not work. Tell me about it. So it started in Cuba. And this year with the classic route, we took the main route um, from Cuba to Grants. And that involved, uh, so the, like the Tour Divide route essentially uses the paved alternate between Cuba and Grants as the de facto route. It's faster, but it's all pavement. So for the classic route, the the plan was to take the main route. And I don't know the exact reasons why paved is the de facto for Tour Divide, but I can speculate that when you enter that main route section between Cuba and Grants, you see all these signs on the, on the road that are like, uh, road is impassable during inclement weather. And by no means are those the only places on the route um, tour divide or otherwise where that's the case. Um, but these are, uh, supposedly really bad. And, they, and there's these kind of arroyos. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah, but essentially, like these, yeah, these drainages that I think if it rains really hard are like essentially like rivers. flash flood rivers, um, that like only flow when it rains, but so I guess it can be dangerous and it's pretty remote out there. And so anyway, I, I went into this and Jay was about an hour ahead of me. It started to sprinkle and you could see like pouring rain, like 360 degree view around you and around me. And it started to sprinkle and like the death mud started building on the tires. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm screwed. And so I just start like hammering. And part of that was like, I just need to get out of this, not Mm -hmm. knowing like how much longer that section was going to last, like how much longer the kind of death mud Arroyo section was going to last. Part of it was just to get out of it. And the part of it was just like, I need to catch up to Jay. So I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to be alone out here. And uh, I put myself in a little bit of a hole trying to do that. Yeah. But uh, prior to that, I had kind of made the decision that I was going to try to make a move on Jay that night and try to go uh, all night without sleep. And this was, I think, uh, Wednesday night. Um, uh, so, so 12 days into the race, yeah, t- 12 or 13 days and, um, and try to put some distance between us. And, and when I got to Grants, it was like two in the morning. I checked the tracker and Jay had slept up on the pass. And I was like, okay, like I have like 30, 40 miles on him now. Great. But he's been sleeping the past few hours and I cannot keep going. Like I, like at that point, like I was falling asleep at the wheel. And so I was like, all right, I need to get some sleep. So I got, I got past town and I slept like two hours and got up, started riding. And then Jay, like probably checked the tracker when he got into town and, and caught up to me that morning. And that's the day we rode to Pie Town together. And yeah, I saw that. I was wondering, I was wondering if that was a move uh, on your part but yeah, he like, I mean, in, in dot watching time, he reeled you in pretty, oh, yeah, pretty yeah. quick. You know, it was like, I, I thought, I thought I was like, okay, all right, this is it. This is it. And then next thing I know, y'all are eating pie and pie town. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, it was funny. Cause like I had to work to keep up with him that day. It was his birthday. And so, and he was like riding real strong and I was yeah. like, man, like he has, I don't know if it's just today, but like he is moving faster than me. And I knew it wasn't sustainable for me. We had food together and that was awesome. And uh, shortly after Pie Town, like, Wait. I had been, th- 
Yes. We have to talk about Pie Town. We have to spend some time on it because number it was like the number one question I got uh, from people. I mean, it, you can't. This thing like unfolded like a movie almost, you know, I mean, a 2,500 mile and then on Jay's birthday, both these guys who over, you know, the last 1,500, whatever miles, neck and neck crossing each other, sit down and eat pie at the iconic pie town. I mean, you just can't make this shit up. It's it's really cool, actually. The number one question is, what pie did y'all eat? Uh... I want to say, I mean, we, we ate multiple pies and took multiple pies to go. Uh, but I want to say we ate some like apple type pie with, with ice cream for his birthday. And they provide like a birthday pie on the house. So, so that was the pie we, and we like, didn't even care. But, like for us, we're like, Oh, they're eating pie. And you're like, I don't even care. I just, I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It was so good. I got like, I got like a hummus platter. It was like so good to eat vegetables. <laughs> like, and, uh, and a burrito and then like we each got like two or three sandwiches to go and that makes um, so much sense like you're probably fatigued on like junk food and you're like more excited about you know the real hearty food yeah absolutely what was the what was the conversation like what was the were y'all both feeling kind of fresh were you both sitting there like zombies you know like what, what was it like uh no i don't think either one of us was a zombie you know we were just it was kind of like mid afternoon. So kind of in the middle of the riding day. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I, like I said, I had worked to keep up with him that day, but I was feeling okay. And the conversation, I mean, like we talked a little bit about like the section coming up and I, I, you know, I'm like, didn't really know what it was like. And so I was kind of trying to get some information from Jay and he's like, mm-hmm. it's a kind of a bear, <laughs> not giving me much, but I think like it's a little hazy now, but like, I think we were just kind of shooting the shit and like, you know, kind of talking about some stuff that wasn't related to cycling. I mean, like, you know, he was we're talking about like the finish and like, like how we're getting picked up and all that kind of thing, you know, just like random, like friendly conversation. It was, it was nice. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he's a veteran, you know? And so how many times has he sat there and ate pie in pie town? And, you know, those are probably the things that he's, he's thinking about, you know, probably, you know, after you do it a while, you probably kind of know what to expect from your body, I would think, and kind of maybe know what you're capable of, know what the route is like, you know, all that stuff. So I could, yeah, I could see him being pretty comfortable, you know, in, in that environment. So do you remember being in a uh, dollar general with him at the same time? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, when uh, one of my listeners or followers or whatever, I, I don't remember who it was, but someone was like, I was posting, you know, uh, about, you know, y'all being neck and neck or whatever. And like, oh, I just ran into them. They were both at Dollar General when I was there. And I don't know if he talked. I I, I know he mentioned that um, he didn't really want to bother. I mean, y'all were both like racing, but, you know, uh, his his live report was, you know, both of y'all looked pretty fresh. And you were both best definitely in the race mode. You know, it wasn't because that's the question. We're, we're, are these just two friends that are just like hanging out and riding bikes together? Or, um, you know, what, what's what's going on there? So do you remember that being in that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we were like we were on like separate sides of the building, kind of like getting our stuff together. So it kind of looked like we were separate. We had ridden together like a little bit that like just from like, I don't know, the past 10 miles or something like we stopped at a we stopped in like El Rito at a convenience store and and then we 
yeah, we got to the Dollar General. Like I got there like a couple minutes before him. Yeah, I remember meeting that person. He had his two kids with him on like a cargo bike, and um, oh, cool. I forget his name, but cool. Shout out to that guy. Live live race reports. It's it's just fun, man. It's like oh, I just ran into him. You know, it's it's crazy. Small world. Yeah, it's so funny being out there and like people knowing. I'm sure Jay is, you know, is so used to this, but I am not like people knowing who you are as you roll up because they're like watching track leaders. And it's like, are you Brendan? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. I don't know through racing, but through the podcast, I mean, you know, I'm just, I just put it out there. And so there's a lot of people that hear me talk a lot and they probably have some pretty good familiarity with me and know what I look like. And I'm, but I mean, I go place all the time and I don't, you know, I don't know them. And it's, it's always a weird dynamic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you, do you like that part of it? You know, I, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mo- like most nice of the people, it. most of the people that are like coming up to you, like they just want to like say like, you know, like congratulations, you're doing so great. Like they're super supportive and mm-hmm want to like just say like i know you're you know they'll say something like i know you're racing uh, i just want to say like hey like you're doing great like we've been watching you like keep it up yeah you know and and like that's so awesome and like some people want to get a picture or whatever and like i'm so cool with that like that's so awesome especially like like i saw i met so many um touring cyclists like coming north um and oh yeah i would, t- I would stop and talk to most of them because like like one i was like you know, envious. So I was like, oh, it's so cool that you have the time to like go into these towns and chill and like have campfires and all this. <laughs> campfire. But also like, man, like tour like I love like racing's cool, but like I love touring on my bike. Like it is the most amazing way to travel. People are so kind and like want to help you and they want to hear your story and and you get to see things at a much slower pace than if you were like in a car, like if you're in a car, like you kind of see the highlights and then you get to a town, like in the bike, like the highlight is like, it's like, you know, the journey is more important than the destination kind of thing. Um, so anyway, I, I really enjoyed meeting those people that were touring. Like yeah. it was just so cool. It's got, yeah, it's always, I've, I've only done one race myself, but all those like little interactions were, were a nice boost for me, a nice emotional boost. And when, you know, people are like, watching your dot and rooting for you even though they don't know who you are you know it is it's pretty cool it's like wow okay people are watching yeah 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 we go into these things or like i'm speaking for myself like i go into these things like for myself like it's pretty selfish endeavor it takes a lot of time away from people in your life like the training and like you know like i have a unique flexibility right now and i don't have kids or you know i'm not married um so I, it's a little different, but like a lot of people do these things and it takes time away from the people that are important in their lives. And so it's, it is kind of a selfish endeavor. And, but what I found is that by doing these things, it, I, I like, I don't want, like, it doesn't matter if you're fast or not, just, just doing this stuff and going out and like doing what you love, like it inspires people. And so it, it ends up like having this surprising, like, side benefit to other people that like they see someone pursuing what they love Mm -hmm. and that will hopefully get them to do what they love and man like the more people in the world that are doing what they love the better this world's going to be you know 
Yeah, I, I, I'd like to take issue. I mean, I think that you can use the word selfish, but pursuing the things in life that make you happy, that, you know, bring you mental and physical health or whatever it may be, but just, and it doesn't have to be cycling, but pursuing the things in life that bring you happiness you know, we talked about on the Bobby Wintel episode, I mean, you really do need to be able to take care of yourself, prioritize yourself, and and you're just in a much better disposition and position in general in life to be able to like give to others and, and be an inspiration to others or, or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, there's always sacrifices, you know, but you do kind of have to, I think at some point, at some level, make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself. And I don't know, man, so many people are just like, stuck in a cog I feel like and it's like what are you pursuing what is, what is the thing that brings you a lot of joy and and I don't know if a lot of people have that you know and so I don't think that's the right way you know uh, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the balance yeah. is but yeah I think you're probably right I think yeah maybe I'm my view is a little bit too narrow there and like if you do look at it like over like kind of zoomed in it, it, there's this view that it's selfish and and I know I said that but you're probably right that it's a net positive to, to kind of pursue what makes you happy. Cause a, cause a happier person is going to a more, for, you know, someone who has experienced fortune in their life, like, like they're going to help other people. And you want to share it. Like, yeah, you find out yeah. about bikepacking and you want to come on a podcast and tell people about it. Cause it was a great experience. People are going to listen. They're like, dude, if Brendan can do it, I can do it, you know, and that's what I found with the podcast is, and that's, and that, you know, part of my, my format for my show, it's not that formatted, but I like to talk to like Leo Wilcox and Sofian and, you know, big, you know, these big names that everybody knows and stuff. And, um, and, but I also, it's super important to me that I talk to the Brendan Heidnick because what that does is I think it speaks to, a greater audience. I think what, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but 99% of the cyclists out there are just regular cyclists um, who have jobs and families and whatever it might be. And, you know, maybe they can't train all the time and be a sponsored athlete like Leo Wilcox. And so those are super inspirational people. But um, then when you throw on, you know, some underdogs that are also lining up and, and competing and stuff. I think that is a great way to showcase and inspire other people that they can do it too. You know what I'm saying? It kind of fills in that gap from ultra endurance pro athlete to, you know, somebody that has a job and works really hard and just made this a focus can go out there and do it too. hundred percent. Yeah. Let's finish off your uh, 2021 tour divide. So we left off in Pine Town. Um, and that was really, that kind of was like maybe the beginning of the end. It sounds like it started a little bit earlier from you after the grant push. You kind of went into the well a little bit. But, you know, either Jay ate some special pie in Pie Town or, or something. <laughs> but take us through the end of the race. So after Pie Town, I had been thinking about it and, um, up until that point, like, like I said earlier, like I kind of expect, I didn't expect to be at the front. I didn't expect to be racing Jay, obviously. And, you know, this race, this route, this ride, like super important to me, like after failing in 2015 and like so much life happening between then and, and now it was really just like meant to be this like kind of reset and this like accomplishing a long-term goal and like this kind of 
to get too wooey, but like kind of like a spiritual experience. And, and uh, it didn't end up being that way, which was like, I'm, I'm so grateful for the way it turned out, but it wasn't what I expected. And, and so at that point, like, no, like knowing Jay was riding a little heart, like little stronger and, um, and not having the experience that I wanted for myself. I kind of like, kind of just made the decision that like, I'm going to let him do his thing and not, and stop trying to race him. And I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, he, he cycled on and I got the last two days to just kind of have that experience that I wanted to just be in my own head and like experiencing the last parts of the route, the way that I thought the whole route was going to go and just enjoying the last couple of days being out there and thinking about the last few years and like what's next and all this stuff. And I'm like, just so happy that I made that decision. You know, I, I knew it meant like I wasn't going to win, but that was never the goal in the first place. You know, like I didn't go into this expecting to be there and to have that opportunity. It almost sounds like you, yeah. I mean, you went in with some expectations and you became and fill in the blanks, but distracted by potentially winning and distracted by being at the front of the race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I got to race like one of the best. And I also got the experience that I wanted for myself. And this has just been like a huge win across the board. Like, finally completing something that I set out to do six years ago. is like pretty huge, pretty huge for me. Why does it bother you so much that you didn't finish six years ago when you went into it underprepared, not as well informed, all these things, you know, like if I did, I would have, I would have been like, man, I didn't know what I was doing and it wouldn't, I don't think it bothered me that much, but I, I mean, it, it's like (laughs) with you. I don't, I, I can't fully explain that. Um, at the time, like I knew that I was moving to Boulder, Colorado that fall, like I had already made that decision. And so I knew, like, there were other things like to distract me. So it wasn't like the day I quit, I was like, I'm coming back. You know, it wasn't, but it kind of grew over the next couple of years. It was like, okay, like this is something I need to complete because I don't like leaving things undone. Yeah. I just, it's hard to explain and I'm not really sure. Uh, it's okay. You don't have to be sure. And I mean, you're still fresh off of it and you got a lot of time to, it's a big experience, you know, I mean, we talk to people all the time and you try to wrap up a, you know, a journey that for you has taken six years. Uh, you know, you try to wrap it up in an hour podcast and it probably take a while to like digest it all and probably like make it all make sense, you know, but it obviously was just something that you wanted to do. And I mean, it's not, uncommon in our you know our sector of the world i mean the tour divide is a it's like a, a monument to your own achievement you know and then like and and, and like you said a, a spiritual experience i mean people ride it for all kinds of reasons you know i mean a million kinds of reasons could you have to go in and ride you know the tour divide route but nobody walks away and it's like eh, whatever maybe jealous <laughs> after doing it a bunch of times you know but I mean, it's, I've never done it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, I got two kids and it's going to be a little while before I can find a two week window to, you know, take off and and go and do it. But it's a bucket list item, you know, I mean, even though I've never done it, even though I've never done it and failed or whatever, I still like, 
I want to do it, you know, yeah. I want to check that off my bucket. And maybe it's just, a, I want to be a part of that club, you know, I, mean, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to know all the things that we're talking about, not just because I Googled it or I've talked to other people, but I want to go and write it and, you know, uh, have my own experiences with it. And yeah, it sounds like that's kind of what, you know, as I'm talking, it kind of sounds like that's what you were maybe looking for too, is just having your own, your own experience. And you didn't, it doesn't sound like you were too like, concerned too much with what other people were doing you you trained you had a plan and you know you were just kind of doing your thing yep yeah absolutely so i was going to ask you like how you feel um and originally my question was like are you bummed that you came in second but i think they (laughs) clearly know you're not bummed that you came in second so what did what did you take away from this race and how how do you feel now that you've um completed it yeah uh, it took a, it took a few days to kind of let it set in. Like I was, I was hurting so many, like the first couple of days, like after I was, I was like, just in like a really like tough spot physically. So it felt like it, I didn't have even so like a couple of days ago, like I, I didn't feel like the sense of like relief that I thought I was going to, <laughs> it was kind of weird. Like I thought I would finish and just be like, yes, it's over. I did it. Woo-hoo! you know, like that, never, that didn't really happen. Like, it was just like, whoa, like, I can't believe it wasn't like a huge sense of relief in the way I thought it was going to be, but it's, it's settled in a little bit more. Now I feel proud of myself for putting in the work to make it happen. I made a post a couple days ago, I think, uh, but there's a, I, I don't know who to attribute this to and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, like you, like people, overestimate what they can do in a short amount of time. Like like people overestimate what they can do in a week. You almost never complete everything you set out to do over the next week, but people severely underestimate what they can accomplish over longer periods of time, year, few years, six years in my case, right. Um, For, for tour divide. And that is so true for this, for me, like, like, I, like I said, I mean, I just had no idea I was able to do what I did. And, um, and that is awesome. It's like, wow, like you put work into something, you focus on something like you're going to get there. The second thing, like it's somewhat related and it's something that uh, was introduced to me as a child and and something that I've been trying to like, to kind of incorporate into my life more is like, you don't have to be fast and you don't have to be good at something necessarily. You, you just have to keep working at it. Like you just have to keep moving Um, and you'll eventually get there. You know, like it just, it takes time and, and just don't sit on your ass. Like, (laughs) like just keep moving and shit will happen for you. I couldn't agree more, man. And it is hard to, man, especially nowadays to, to have some like broader perspective to life and to like what you're trying to accomplish, right? Everybody wants things now, you know, and I want to, I want to put in the work now and I want to get the results. And yeah, that's not really the way life works. I mean, as a 41 year old, you know, it takes, I mean, life and a pursuit like this, whatever it is, I mean, it's like just, slowly chipping away at, at it, you know, 
Unless you're a crit racer, yeah, but we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what I really enjoy about these endeavors that we take on is how you can carry that into other segments of your life. Like knowing that you can work that hard and fucking ride your bike from border to border across the continental divide in inclement weather, carry everything you need. Solo self supported. Nobody's showing up and handing you anything to, you know, or wiping your butt for you at night or whatever. I mean, you know, there's an, there's an immense self, uh, like, self-confidence that comes from knowing that you are capable of training, putting in the work and then going out and and actually like accomplishing what you set out to do. And if you zoom out, I mean, you can apply that to anything. And if you can do that, you know, now it's just a matter of, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you got some time. It's like, okay, if I could do that, what do I want to accomplish in life? Like, what do I want to point my energy at? And, and what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My friend, uh, like jokingly asked, you know, like she knew the answer to this, but like she was like, Oh, do you get a trophy at the end of the tour? <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> but you know, for the benefit of whoever was watching like the Instagram Q and a, I did like, like I, you know, it was like, you know, you do something like this and it just makes everything else just a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said, like, once you do something like this, where you like put a ton of energy into it and you have like success and whatever, whatever success means to you, like mm-hmm. you have success and you kind of accomplish your goals. Like, it's like, well, shoot, like all I have to do is decide what I want to do. And then it's just really simple. You put energy into that thing and you'll eventually get there. Like, that's so cool. That's such a, that's like such a mind expanding yeah. Like the world is your oyster, whatever. Like it's, it's a, it's a cool perspective. It's, it's pretty powerful. Well, it's it, these, these, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps, man, but these are the things that inspire people because it's not that you're a world-class super athlete with, you know, I, I don't know, like some crazy athletic ability or anything like that. And maybe you do have some nice fitness about you, but I mean, there wasn't a secret to success other than working hard and having a plan and, and then executing your plan that you worked really hard for, you know, um, it's, it's not complicated, but it takes work. It takes energy and it is hard, but it is not impossible. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man, you can, I mean, that's the thing, man. That's, that's why this stuff is so cool and why it goes beyond just bike racing and, and no one, I don't really care if you won or you didn't want, I wanted to talk to you anyway. You know, it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't really care. It's, it's not about that because there's so much more that um, really captivates this whole community, I think. And, and it, 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 it's more of like a life. Actually, I'm stealing this from Rebecca Rush. Uh, she called, uh, it's more of a life teacher. You know, it really teaches you about life, teaches you about yourself, what you're capable of. And um you look at it through that prism, prism and it is truly profound. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you want to, uh, since we've, you know, pontificated wisely on that, do you want to talk a little bit about the coaching aspect? I did want to, want to talk to talk about that a little bit. Um, Kurt Ref Snyder, who's been a guest on the podcast. He's actually, we're going to have him on again, hopefully here, uh, before too long. 
but a lot of people are aware of Kerr and I've talked to him about his coaching. Um, but I kind of, as one of his students or whatever you call it, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what led you up to, to hiring a coach? Why did you pick Kurt and, and maybe talk to, you know, a little bit about what it's like to even have a bike pack training coach, you know, <laughs> a lot of people don't have one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hired Kurt because, uh, I hired a, well, I should say I hired a coach because, because this was important to me and I wanted to make sure that I was physically prepared. And specifically for the tour divide. Yep. Specifically for the tour divide. I, I started working with him in late 2019 prior to COVID. Cause I thought 2020 was going to happen mm-hmm. and, uh, and that didn't happen. And, and then, um, took a break, like between like, after it was like, okay, like, 2020 tour divide isn't going to happen. Like took a break and just rode my bike um, from like June through November last year. And then started working with them again in December through this year's uh, tour divide. I specifically worked with Kurt one, because I I had a friend um, who worked with him and and spoke very highly of uh, his coaching style. Um, And two, just like, I mean, the guy is like one of the most, uh, accomplished uh, athletes in this realm. I mean, he's, he's like, he's one tour divide, Arizona trail race, Colorado trail race. Like he's like, he's just a beast. And, and he has a depth of knowledge um, similar to Jay, right? Like, uh, so, so just have that knowledge on tap, on tap was, was huge. And I, I knew that he had success. So I knew that he knew how to train for these types of events. Yeah. Um, most coaches obviously aren't coaching for this kind of length of event. Yeah. That's, that's another good point. There aren't even that many coaches that coach this type of stuff. So, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, so he was, I mean, he was kind of a sure bet uh, for this, for this yeah. specifically. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that does answer one of my questions is he was hired specifically for tour to buy training. So can you break down just a little bit? I mean, What's that process like? What what does training look like for an event like this? <laughs> like, like I wasn't sure going into it, like like a year and a half ago when I started working. I was like, I was like, so we're gonna like do a lot of long days or whatever. And like, actually, no. Like, like I think like my volume picked up this year because because I I went part time with work like kind of like earlier in the year, and so I had more time. But like last year when I was still working full time, like I was I was only doing like. 15 hours a week on the bike. So not like huge amounts. I mean, like a day on the divide is longer than that. Yeah. But a lot of intervals, you know, I'm fortunate to live in Boulder where like, you know, a huge climb is like a five minute warm up right away. So I spent a lot of time just going up then down, up then down, up then down. And a lot of focus on like sweet spot, like zone three, zone four kind of stuff, some FTP work, some like cadence work. And then like, on the weekends when I, when there's like kind of more time in the day doing like, like mid zone two, like longer rides, like five, six hours plus. So I think about like, I worked my volume up to like low 20 hour, um, up to like 30 hour weeks, uh, just kind of leading up to like in the last month before the divide. Um, but really like most of the focus over like a six month training was just on getting me stronger not necessarily building in the endurance because like you gain endurance just from living your life, you know, like endurance doesn't come just from cycling. Like 
know, if you're, if you're awake and you're moving, like you're building endurance, but so a, a lot of the focus is just on getting stronger, building FTP. Um, Any weight training? Those, uh, Kurt never, uh, well, there were, you know, like once in a while he would prescribe some like strength work. Uh, but I was doing a little bit on my own, just like really short. Like I would like 10 or 15 minutes while I'm making coffee in the morning, just do like a little bit of like band work or like calf raises or push ups or pull-ups mm-hmm. or whatever, but like nothing too much. I think maybe I don't want to, I'm not speaking for Kurt here. Um, cause I don't know, but like maybe in like a shorter event, that's like a little bit more abusive, like, like Colorado trail, like a single track focused event, you might do a little bit more like yeah. upper body work, but for tour divide, I wasn't doing much strength training. What about, I've never thought about this before, but you know, since you depleted so much of your own body weight, um, is there any strategy or talk about bulking up or, you know, nutrition leading up to the divide so that you have like a high caloric density or something? And then you, can, <laughs> you know, I don't know any, any strategy there. Uh, nothing that Kurt and I talked about. I'd be curious to get it, like talk to him about that. We haven't actually, we haven't gotten on the phone yet post divide. We've texted, but haven't uh, talked on the phone. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to get his, his feedback on how much you depleted and actually like look at what you ate and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious to have that conversation with him because I feel like maybe I lost more than I should have. Yeah. You have to wonder if that was part of why you ran out of steam at the end. I mean, plus you'd already written a bunch. Um, (laughs) So I'm not a coach, but yeah, I mean, you do have to wonder, I mean, if your body doesn't have the nutrients it needs, it's not going to be able to perform the way you're going to want it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened with my body. Um, if I, if I wasn't, cause I, I certainly, I was counting calories. So I, like I knew how much I was putting in and it, and it's, I think it was the right amount uh, for riding. And it, it kind of just felt like I wasn't, wasn't getting utilized correctly or something, or maybe that's just the way it goes. I mean, this is my first, this is the longest event I've done. So maybe, maybe that's just par for the course. I, yeah, <laughs> maybe sure. it is. Maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, if I, like I said, I've never done it. So I'll, I'm, I'm just curious and uh, I'll be looking, I'll, Circle back around with me uh, once you talk to Kurt and just text me and let me know. I'll be be curious. But uh, so it sounds like Kurt prepared you really well. I mean, you mentioned it earlier that he like really prepared you well for this event, which isn't surprising. I'm, I'm curious, do you, and it's a little bit earlier, but do you think you'll do it again? And and if you do, you know, what did you learn and what, what do you think that you'll do differently going in if you did it? And whether it's this race or a different similar style race. I don't know if I'll do it again. It's a little fresh. Um, it'll certainly be like a couple years, probably. Like, I don't think I'd do it again next year, but maybe the year after, possibly. Um, I'd like to just try some other stuff and, and some shorter races. I think it'd be like, like I got a I got a full suspension bike for the first time in my life. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked on that. So, so maybe like Arizona Trail Race or Colorado Trail Race. Like, I feel like that'd just be super fun. Um, and a, probably a little less wear on the body just because they're shorter and that yeah he'll be a great coach for those too <laughs> oh yeah absolutely maybe just try some different stuff um and we'll see about tour divide in the future well so what did you learn i mean regardless of whether or not you may do it again in the future i mean looking at it now i mean is there anything that you wish you had done or wish you didn't take or would have done differently um i'd like to 
work more on the nutrition aspect and kind of figure out what works for me a little bit better. I think I was eating like probably a little too much like sugary pastries in the first week. And that might've put me in like a bad spot for the second week. I'm not sure, but I'd like to like kind of dial that in a little bit better. It's a little harder to train for, but like certainly Jay had the ability to ride through like the last night. And I had, there was no way I was doing that. Like no matter, no amount of caffeine was keeping me up at that point. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe I just don't have that in me, but, but, uh, it'd be cool to figure that out because, and if you look at like the top people versus like the middle of the pack, like the riding speeds are not that much different. I mean, we're like, we're right around 10 miles an hour moving speed. What it comes down to is time on the bike. So if you can cut sleep just a little bit and like cut down your time, like at resupply just a little bit, like just be a little bit more efficient. I mean, that's what wins the race, you know? Which brings me back to your bivvies and your, your two chamois. And that was, that was the question I was ping-ponging back in my mind. It's, it's all, uh, you know, I mean, if you're racing, um, it's time on the bike. That's that, you know, everybody kind of knows that, because again, the speed is going to be pretty much the speed over a long distance like that. And so I did find it interesting that you prioritized and took the time to wash and clean. And I guess it doesn't take that much time, but man, it all adds up. It adds up, but it, yeah, I mean, that pays off. Right? Like, <laughs> Cause like, like if you have saddle sores, like you are not going to want to be on the bike 17 hours a day. Like, it's just like, that is really hard. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it, but I've definitely talked to people who have, and I'm just like, doesn't sound fun. It sounds like I would want to, I mean, I don't even know what I would do. I don't want to say what I would do because I've never been in that position, but it doesn't sound fun. No, no. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious to, hear what's next for you you know i've, I've kind of learned that you know you wanted to push yourself but maybe you were also looking to have like an experience out there and so you weren't a hundred percent racy I'm, I'm curious like what's next for you both in terms of you know any races that might be interesting that you might be looking at but also like your own personal approach to cycling are, are you wanting to like improve and be like this ultra endurance cyclist or you know what what does that path look like for you i'm not sure right now like how far i want to take this you know i think i'm going to get through recovery and once i start riding again I'll, i think it'll just kind of come to me like okay what what direction do i want to go for right now like the one i don't have any races planned I specifically didn't plan anything after Tour Divide because I just really didn't know how I was going to feel. And I'm, I'm glad I made that decision. But uh, for right now, I just want to enjoy riding my bike, um, take some friends on some overnighters around Boulder. Um, Venture Cycling Association has uh, the Idaho Hot Springs route. And I have some friends going up to do... Uh, some of the rides for uh, RPI Re- Rebecca's private Idaho oh, yeah. um, event in September. So I'm trying to organize like some bike packing, just like touring on the hot springs route. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, for now, just like enjoying riding my bike and doing some overnighters with friends and then kind of see what happens. See what, see what motivates me. I feel like you and I have a, well, we're definitely, I'm not an engineer, but in terms of our approach to cycling, I mean, you were talking earlier about how much you love bike touring and just like experiencing the world on a bike. And, you know, that's, that's why I, I personally haven't done a lot of racing. I get, 
you know, I watch the races and I talk to racers and I like, I get super hyped. Um, but I haven't got hyped enough to like want to push myself through. Uh, I've done one race. I did a 500 mile race here in Texas and that's, you know, the hardest I've, I've personally pushed myself and, but like, yeah, man, I just enjoy the campfires and the bourbon at night and talking oh, yeah. to my friends and, and just, you know, seeing this stuff. And like, if there's a river you want to stop and, you know, go fishing or whatever, you know, I mean, all those things, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's just, if there's one passion I know I'm going to have for the rest of my life, it is bike touring. I mean, it's just, there's no question because it, because every time I do it, it is a positive experience. Even, even when it's hard, even when like I have a shitty day, I look back and I'm like, that was hilarious. Oh my God. I can't believe, you know, like whatever, like shit broke on my bike. Like that, that day sucks so bad, but you always look back on those things and think that was cool. Like, I'm yeah. glad that happened. Oh, for sure. They're lifetime experiences, man. It's like a camp. I still remember all my camping trips from like a boy scout, you know I mean? Yeah. They just, they never leave you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's cool, man. I, I, uh, it sounds like you, uh, I mean, you, you love cycling, you love the outdoors, uh, like a lot of us do. And, uh, every once in a while you, it sounds like you had a, this big chip on, no, I don't know how big, I don't want to overinflate it, but you had this kind of monkey on your back with the tour divide and, um, you know, you check that one off your box and now you can kind of just relax and, and see what's next. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. <laughs> hey, it's all, it's all good. No matter what you do, um, it's all good stuff. So. Well, uh, anything else we didn't cover you wanted to talk about? No, I just, you know, thanks for, thanks for, uh, being interested in talking to me. It's been awesome talking to you and, and, um, I'm excited that I have this opportunity to kind of share my story. Like, I hope that people get value in it. And if, if they want to reach out to me, I'm, I, I'm not so inundated with, with messages at this point that, that I'm overwhelmed yet. So if anyone wants to ask me a specific question, they can, they can find me on Instagram or whatever. I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mention what your Instagram was. Cause like I said, it was harder for me to find, even though I already yeah. followed you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a uh, uh, Brendan steady slow. And there's an underscore between, uh, between the words. So Brendan underscore steady underscore slow. Yeah, I you know I read your Instagram uh, handle. Obviously, I knew what it was, but I didn't make the connection between your Instagram handle and you know this kind of slow and steady approach that you know you were talking about. To you know, it's like one bite of the elephant at a time. You know, don't try to eat the whole thing. It's just like you know you got to plan, and so that's kind of like your ethos that you really you really follow that. Yep, it's uh, it's a work in progress, but it's it's a little bit of a guiding star, uh, just steady and slow. When you say work in progress, do you mean like trying to like slow life down? I mean, life moves fast and just like trying to slow it down or what do you mean? What I mean is, um, I sometimes struggle to adhere to that ethos, uh, uh, because when I like get an idea in my mind that like, or like a goal, I'm like, I want to go a hundred percent like as fast as possible. I want to get there as fast as possible. Uh, and sometimes I burn myself out. So, so. well, I mean, if we're going to use tour divide as an example, you know, when, I mean, it's six years difference. There's a lot you can learn, but I mean, you can go in to something with, with not very much experience, not a lot of training and, and you'll have a, a, a type of experience or you could plan and put in the work and everything. And you're going to have a much different uh, experience. So, you know, you got it right this time. 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I think, um, yeah, hopefully people will reach out to you if they have questions or anything like that. I mean, that's one of the great things about the community is that everyone's just cool and eager to help get people outdoors, riding bikes and, um, you know, finding their own happiness or their own limits or whatever it is that, that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. Thank you seriously for coming on the show. Like I'm, I, I was literally nervous that, cause not everybody wants to be on a podcast, you know, I mean, not everybody, some people just don't even want to, you know, they're just like, I'm just doing my thing, you know, whatever it may be. And so the whole time you were racing, I was like, man, I really hope, you know, he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll talk to me again. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like the underdog. I, I love, I love to share those stories and, you know, nothing against Jay. I'm a uh, huge shout out to him on his accomplishment. He's a legend. Um, Absolutely. But I, I always root for the underdog. So I wasn't rooting against Jay, but I, w- I was on team Brendan for sure. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I, you know, it wasn't, you know, for me, I didn't really, you know, it's like not win or lose or whatever, but now talking to you, it's just like, it's so cool that, that I know that you're happy with your experience. And that's, that's the most important part. Like I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for talking to me, man. It's been a, a true pleasure. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy uh, listening to this one because I, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see this again. I don't know if we'll ever see, you know, it was like a thousand miles in everybody was kind of together until like, I don't know, I think it was like Helena maybe. And then like, it seemed like it was just the Jay and Brendan show after <laughs> Helena, you know, for 500 miles. <laughs> And uh, I just don't think we'll ever see that again. So um, I, I think people are going to be pretty excited to kind of hear what that was like. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope they find it interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. Well, rest up and uh, we'll talk to you again soon one day, I hope. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I apologize for the audio quality there. It wasn't the best. And I have actually had a computer technical issue that kind of messed up things. I won't go into details, but rest assured I am getting that fixed so that you can enjoy the audio quality that you're accustomed to. Big shout out to Brendan. It was really great to talk to him, to catch up. I was so nervous that he wouldn't want to talk to me for some reason. I just, I wanted to hear his story. I was super excited to hear his story. And so whenever he agreed to an interview after his race was over, I was super honored that he would come on and share his time and his experience with us. And I'll echo what he says. I hope that his story goes on to inspires others to get out there, push their limits and find out if they are capable and Guess what? If you come up short, you always have the opportunity to learn, to improve, and to come back and try, try again. All right, everybody. Well, listen, I can't emphasize enough the importance of your support as we continue on this path of producing the Bikes for Death show. I'd like to thank, again, the 50 new patrons that signed up since last week. If you've been inspired to support this show, if this show has brought you some entertainment or some inspiration or a chuckle along the way, maybe it's worth a dollar a month to sign up and you also get access to all those benefits that come along with being a patron. To find out more, head over to patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And I want to remind you to also head over to rockgeist.com, join their newsletter, and that way you never miss anything that they have going on. 
And while you got your Google open, or hopefully maybe you're using DuckDuckGo, I've been switching to that lately and I'm liking it, but maybe DuckDuckGo Ruby Coffee over at rubycoffeeroasters.com and check out all the great coffee that they have. I'm super excited about their instant and single serve options as a bike packer and outdoorsman. And remember that if you use the code BIKESORDEATH, you get 15% off your order or 20% off your first shipment if you do a subscription. So thank you to all of our sponsors who make this show possible. And thank you for being here. Because without you, I'm just talking to a microphone in my office. And that would be silly. I sincerely want to thank everybody. I can't say it enough. Y'all have brought me to tears. I am humbled beyond belief. To be honest, on many levels, I am still processing the outpouring. And not only am I processing the outpouring, but I am following up on lead after lead after lead. Thanks to so many friends in the industry, I've been able to get in contact with a lot of different companies that are interested in partnering with Bikes or Death. And my goal is to find partners that believe in what Bikes or Death is doing and can also provide value to you, the listener. I don't want to just partner with any company all willy-nilly. I want to make sure that these are good companies that I believe in and I believe that you can benefit from too. So if you happen to know of a company or you are a company that would like to talk about advertising or sponsoring Bikes or Death, I would love to have that conversation. Just shoot me an email. I can be easily reached at bikes at bikesordeath.com. Drop me a line if you're interested and I will get in touch with you ASAP. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for being here. We did it. We are doing it. I believe, I believe, I believe that we are going to make this happen. And I couldn't be more stoked. I absolutely love this. And if I had to take a break and walk away for a little while, it would be very sad. But again, thanks to y'all. I ain't going any damn where. So without further ado, you know what to do. Get outside and go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. 